podcast is brought to you by Courtney Lyric Books. All Courtney Lyric Books are available on Amazon.com. Let's start the show. Hey, it is your girl, the Thick Rider Chick, Miss Courtney Lyric. Um, I've been on a bit of a sabbatical, if you will. I um, haven't made an episode since August, and I thank you for sticking with me. Um, pretty much, I've just been, well, on a good note, I have enrolled in film school. Um I absolutely love it. I definitely have found my tribe. So I've been kind of busy with that. And also my children have started natural school back or physical school back. So, you know, we've gotten us a new place. We're getting settled in. Um, So I've kind of been very busy with getting our new routine down. And it has left me with very little, you know, free time. So um, I do apologize, but sometimes you got to take a break and get some shit in order. And that's just what I was doing. And I know I missed a lot of good shows like P-Valley. Um, what else? Uh, Cobra Kai. I think I'm going to come back and do a Cobra Kai with my son because we both really enjoyed that. But I know I missed some good shows that you guys were tagging me in and wanted me to review. Thank you for, you know, still thinking of me even when I was away. But uh, I'm back. So uh, let's start the show. I had to come out of of, of sabbatical. (laughs) I had to come off a break to talk about this show. It's got the internet buzzing. It's got the streets buzzing. Lovecraft Country. Yes, sir. We stand. Because, like, me, let me just say this. And I'm sure you can tell if you follow the show by the content of stuff that I speak on. But I don't really do horror. I think um, other than us... Jordan Peele's Us. I don't think of my over one over my thirty episodes that I've ever discussed a horror genre, um, anything other than Us. Um, that's just I'm. It's not me. I mean, I watch them, you know. But am I like a horror fanatic? No, I'm more so of um anything metahuman. You know, anything with mutants, anything with metahumans. Um, historical drama and rom-com, you know, stuff like that, um, you'll more so see me be tuned into. However, I was like, okay, you know, it looked, it, the name was kind of weird. You know, I recognized Journey, of course. We know her. That's our girl, uh, Journey Somali, obviously from Eve's Bayou. She's a, she's a wonderful actress. So, okay, I see some, I see a familiar face. You know, it looks interesting. There's some kind of swamp monster thing in the background, you know, on the picture. And lo and behold, it it takes, yes, it is a horror genre, but it also takes one of the things I love, which is historical. I absolutely love, love, love historical films and shows. So you got me. I was like, all right, bet. All black cast and it's, you know, historical with a twist of horror. Like, okay, it's worth a watch. So I watched the first episode. Oh my, you know, um. A lot going on. Um, like I said, I also enjoy things metahuman and mutant. Technically, they weren't mutants, but they did have powers. It was it was magic. So I, I like a good magic. You know, I like some magic too. I dabble in things that um, you know discuss magic and the black arts, and I watch some of that too. So I was pleasantly surprised when I began watching it because I thought for the most part this was just going to be historical fiction. A drama with a little, you know, with a few jump scares and a few jump scenes here and there. And um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I love how they integrated actual historical events into this show and actual historical figures 
and incidences in the black community and just kind of intertwined it into this story. Um, we've got our protagonist. They call him Tick. Like, I just, ah, oh, the writing. These names, I love them all. Like, it's not, they didn't just haphazardly throw some names on the page. Like, Hippolyta is Greek. You know, we got Atticus Freeman. They call him Tick for short. And, of course, Letitia fucking Lewis. So, I mean, <laughs> it was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it was definitely well thought out from the cast. And, the, you know, I probably will just have to go get on the books. I will. Um, for me to be an author, I really don't read as much as I should. I'm more of a visual and an audio person. But, you know, such such well-written craft deserves to be indulged in as many ways as it can. At first, I was like, people are hyping this shit all the way up. So, the first episode, I was intrigued, but I wasn't like hook, line, and sinker. I was like, okay, we've got these weird creatures that come out in the dark. Um... There's this cult of, you know, weird white people that want to find out how to become immortal. At first, I'm not going to lie, I was a little confused. Like, I mean, um, Lovecraft Country is well thought out, and I love the depiction. Everybody, this is, It's just a nerd's dream. Um, they're into astrology. They're, you know, they, these are smart black people, and I'm glad that that is the way they were depicted, even in... <clears throat> Even in the early South, you know, when maybe education wasn't really afforded to black people like it was to others, the smartest people on the show, the most intelligent of, of everyone, you know, to me are the main characters, and I absolutely love it. Um, so, you know, we've got astrology, and everybody's into it from Uncle George to his wife, Hippolyta to their daughter. Like, this is, they're about this life. Like, they're treasure hunters, they're, they're, they're adventuremen, you know, and this is all before they even discovered the magic. They are very intriguing um, characters to begin with. So, you know, we kind of, to me, it was kind of all over the place at first, but as it mellowed out and as the season went on, it was like, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding better because of that first episode kind of caught me for a loop. I was like, all right, fine. Um, Tick has come home. He wants to find his dad, you know, who he's not been in contact with in forever. Uncle George is like, all right, let's do it. Letitia comes along. I don't even remember. I had to, might, had to go back and watch episode one, but Letitia comes along. You know, they get out in certain areas and, you know, black people are not allowed to be out past sundown or their fair game you know so that was a very um heart racing scene where they were trying to be it you know get out the city limits before the light went down and then we were introduced to these uh demonic earthworms <laughs> on on steroids and um you know it, it was a lot so um we come to find that they have a weakness good they don't like direct sunlight or they don't like direct light um, I'm not going to lie, I was really feeling when they ripped the white cops to shreds because they was just racist pieces of shit. But, um, you know, they go to this coven. I, I'm going to call it a coven because it's people who gather together and practice magic. You know, it's a coven. And, um, you know, lo and behold, it's just a lot of weird shit going on. And, um, you know, we progress on... For me, it got real. Like, okay, this is my show. Once they got back home. You know, it was a lot of cool stuff that happened there. You know, Letty was shot and brought back to life. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, they found his dad. Great. 
it, it was just, it's so much. It's going to be hard to wrap this entire season up in an hour, which is probably why the creators had a podcast um, for every episode because it's a lot in one show, but I do my best. So I just focus on the things that I really liked. If you didn't get a chance, I, mean, I can't dissect every episode. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, go back because it's, it's a treat. Um, but in short, the best way to sum it up is it is a historical fiction horror drama with a hint of magic. So, I mean, um, it, it, it's something else. Um, let's see what else. Tick is our protagonist. To me, he's the main character. I mean, there's also Letitia. I, I would say uh, she's the so. I mean, um, she's the supporting actress, if you will. But the show's protagonist is Atticus Freeman, and we call him Tick for short. He is an army veteran. Um, you know, he was abused as a child by his father, who he's working so hard to find. Um, you know, he he's got a lot of demons. Um, I think, like I said. It's so well written. We like him enough to overlook the demons. But um, in short, you know, Tick is really a low-key piece of shit. Like, <laughs> he's, a, he's a cool dude, but he's got a lot of demons. So, um, but he's, he's lovable. He's like the lovable toxic protagonist. And after getting to know his father, after seeing his complicated past <clears throat> unfold it kind of you know it's always best if you have a protagonist not to make them so likable they have to have some kind of flaws and they have to be relatable so um you have to make them stand out and i really feel like he did stand out i think they did a great job in casting jonathan majors as Tick because he isn't just some super well-known actor you know um Journey she acts so well that she got away with it but to me if you really want to take a, a sitcom or a, a, a scripted show to another level don't all don't just use big name celebrities because as much as the mind will try to separate them from previous roles now to us Jonathan Majors is Tick good that's good um, <laughs> you know, we, we're, even though, yes, all of these actors, we have like, um, Michael Kenneth Williams, um, he, of course he's been on different things, um, Journey Samalit, of course, of course she's been on different things, even the, um, actress who played Hippolyta, she's been on different things, so, but they're not just, you know, big Denzel Washington type, I didn't even realize until I sat down to do this podcast that Uncle George is Courtney Vance, that's, um, What's, what, what is my theater mama's name? That's Angela Bassett's husband. Like, they had him so did up and historized. I didn't even recognize him. But, yeah, that was him. So, um, you know, Uncle George, he's on. we're on this journey with him. Unfortunately, he doesn't make it back. I wish he would have been on the show longer, but he did die. So, he got killed during all this magical Michigan. Um, they come back home. They give some cockamamie story to Aunt Hippolyta about what happened. But uh, Hippolyta, they don't know her. She's an intelligent, you know, other earthly black woman. She ain't buying that shit. She knew, she knew something in the gumbo stank. So she took it upon herself to get a little, you know, they wasn't really being straight with her. Because they didn't think she would understand. So she took it upon herself to do a little, you know, she found the map. She did, you know, went out and did some exploration of her own. Um, 
with her daughter and I, I'm glad she got her own episode and chance to shine. In fact, her episode was one of my favorites. But um, it was actually one of the ones I could watch at night. <laughs> Let me just say this in short. This shit was scary as the fuck, okay? Um, as a mother, sometimes my my uh, grown-up shows, as I call them, I have to wait till my kids are asleep or after, after we spend our time together to watch. And naturally... Since I go to school during the day, that's like at, at night. So a lot of these episodes, and I'm I'm single, so I'm here by myself, and you know I'm trying to support black, but I've kept trying to make myself watch it during the day, but I always always ended up watching it right before I went to bed, and then I had to turn on some Disney shit or something, cause damn, like they didn't help miss misha green we stand that's the series writer by the way and she also directed one of the best episodes of the series um and that was her debut like that's her first time directing like she she is officially a shero of mine i'm real life trying to be misha green well my own version of misha green you know but um this show was impeccable you know, talk about a way to kick the door in. If this show isn't up for some kind of Emmys, then it's a then 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 just f the Emmys because it's a scam. It has everything, everything. It it has everything, um, from the clothing to the casting to the camera direction. You know, to the directing, to the acting, to the script. You know, to the special effects. It has episode. Don't get me started on the soundtrack. To the soundtrack. It has everything. If the Emmys overlooks Lovecraft Country, it's simply due to racism. Because it, it has everything you would be looking for. Um, but yeah, in short, the shit is scary. Like, okay, which episodes got me the most? The one, I want to say it's episode three. Um, I could be off. But um, the one where they bought Titus's house and all them damn ghosts was trapped in there and they had to do the seance. Oh, I don't know why I watched that by myself. <laughs> that was, ooh, yeah. Ooh. And, um, that one, and of course, the info, I think, if you didn't watch Lovecraft Country before, I want to say episode eight, I could be wrong, but the episode with Topsy and Bopsy, that's the two, um, they're kind of like done up in blackface, you know, vaudeville characters, if you will. I think they're supposed to be a representation of a character from Uncle Tom's Cabin. Either way, them shits were scary as shit. And so those two particular episodes. And also the one where, um, where Emmett Till, I think that's that episode. No, was that the episode where, uh, what's her name? What the hell name? Christina. Mm. Um, where Christina got herself killed in the style of Emmett Till. I want to say that episode too. But those two for sure. Like those two for sure. The one where Letitia did that seance. And uh, you know we had to get Titus up out of there. And, and um, so that episode with the house. And the episode with Topsy and Bobsy. I don't know why, what kind of crack I was smoking. Or what made me think it would be a good idea to watch that alone at night but yeah them shits was scary as the shit especially the one with top 10 bops so like I, I can't think on that too hard i don't know why it, it like i said it's everything we must stand because you go and you get professional dancers like when she cracked that back bend, i was like oh, god damn it you know <laughs> 
<laughs> but they're just talented like that. And um, the long nails, the chucks, the you know, the hair, the the Joker type smiles with the teeth, the fact that nobody could see them but D. It was just, and then that song they would play whenever they showed up. Let me in. Let oof. Uh, good thing, and they didn't even speak. Like that's how talented of a crew we are dealing with here. Like they really put some thought into this, and it it just was. We must stand. In short, and you know, I'm not trying to be all on their ass because it's popular. Because a lot of people are talking about it. I'm a real life give props where props are due. If I thought it was overhyped, I'd be like, yeah, it's overhyped. Like it ain't all that. The first episode, I was like, hmm. Yeah, it's straight. It's intriguing. I'll come back and watch the second episode. But by episode three, like I said, the one with the house, this is when, okay, it comes on Sunday. I need to be watching it. Like, at first, it was kind of like, I'll catch it when I catch it. You know, whatever. But by episode three, I was like, okay. Um, you know, at first, we weren't really sure. Or maybe it was plainly obvious to some that Tick and Letty were going to end up together. I don't know. He seemed a little nerdy. To me, but um, underneath all that nerdness, child, they didn't make uh, they didn't make tick into a whole sex symbol. He is a good looking brother. Like he's got that nerdy esque quality about him. But when he take that that uniform off, baby, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan working with some guns under that. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, like okay. And he quickly became a sex symbol on the show. Whereas he started off as kind of like nerdy astrology geek, you know, who used to be in the military. But, um, so they end up becoming a thing, which is good. But, you know, in real time, (laughs) dude is toxic AF. And, um, let's not pretend like Liddy is just some angel. She's all over the place. She's like the friend who's constantly trying to get her ducks in a row. Uh, that is her. So Liddy has a sister. Ruby, um, I think I'm not thinking they're half sisters, but um, you know, Letty didn't come to their mother's funeral. I think Ruby's always held a bit of a grudge against her for that. Um, and can we stand for Ruby Baptiste, her the actor who portrayed her? I'm so glad she got so many episodes to shine because yes, um, that okay. So quick, quick about Ruby, um. For all of you that have watched the show, it's no secret. But Ruby links up with William. It's like it reminds me of Village of the Dam. Whenever you saw a super pale person with extra blonde hair on the show, you already knew they was with the Adam folk. Is it Sons of Adams or whatever it is? Uh with the with the Sons of Adam folks. And um she comes across William and I'm like, okay, obviously this fool is with them people. But he he gives her a potion that allows her to become a white woman. And so, you know, um, and I know that a lot of people today are like, oh, I can't believe that. You have to understand, this is the Jim Crow South. The first day she became a white woman, she was wandering the street like some maniac and was treated completely different. And she noticed that off the bat. So, I mean, I don't fault her for taking advantage of such a thing, even though the transformation looks super painful. Like, it was like her flesh was falling off. It, it was like a, a adult metamorphosis, I guess. That's what how he described it. Anyway, um... So she gets her own episode where she becomes this white woman and gets a job at Macy's or wherever. And, um, you know, gets to just kind of be a white woman and see all the privilege they have and just kind of talk with them and just be a part of their world for a little while. And then 
of course, the iconic scene at the end of her episode where she takes a high heel to her boss's uh, anus. I mean, well, let's, <laughs> in short, you know, the boss turns out to be a jerk, um, a, a sexist pig. And so before she quits, she uh, introduces, I'm just looking at Ruby. I would say she wears about size 10. So introduces her size 10 Jimmy Choo to the crack his ass. And uh, I, I mean, what can we say? And so she does like the metamorphosis and lets the skin fall all on him. And I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, damn. But uh, she was like, yeah, I want you to know that a nigga bitch did that. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but um, I love Ruby. I love Ruby. I mean, um, if, I, if I had to say which um, female protagonist I think people identify with the most it would probably be ruby because she loves letty but letty is one of those family members and it's unfortunate and we see that unfold in their relationship that even when she tries to be genuine she she just wants something like you know how many times ruby has bailed her out and saved her ass and in short i only really hear from you when you want something like that's why i say letty was no angel um but ruby it's like they, you know, uh, a lot of blogs, etc. <clears throat> tried to um, demonize her for taking the potion, for continuing to see William, you know, for turning into a white woman, whoop-de-woo. And even after the very awkward discovery, I haven't talked much about Christina, but um, in short, if there had to be an antagonist in the show, it's definitely her ass. Like, um, she's from the little house of Adam. It, what she would do, I like Christina's character because what she would do is give us a little something to make us think she's good and then, and then go right back on her bullshit. So it would be like, oh, I brought Letty back to life, but here I am trying to do this, that, and third. Oh, now I'm in y'all city. I gave you the money for the house, but it was really so you could get the little, you know, get Titus's pages or get Titus's little space thingy, whatever it's called, and give it to me. You know, it, she'll give us a little something and then reel us back. So... She gave, she, <laughs> she turned out to actually be William. And I was so, I was not sad for Ruby because I wasn't a huge William fan. I mean, he is some magic white guy. <clears throat> but it's like, damn, I think they had a little bit of a connection and come to find out that wasn't real either. And of all people, it's Christina's ass. Oh, poor Ruby. But, um, so she's Okay. I'm giving Ruby, I'm giving you this potion to be a white woman when you want to, but in return, you got, you know, it should give us a little bit of something. So we weren't, I wasn't really, not just me, because I would see debates on Facebook too. Like, okay, is she really a bad guy? Is she an anti-hero maybe? And not just a full blown antagonist. And if you stick with it to the end, we, we find out in short what she about. But, um, so yes, long story short, um, William turns out to be Christina taking the same potion that she's giving Ruby. And um, then it becomes kind of awkward because, oh my gosh, so this, you know, so you were pretty much effing Christina the whole time? And how, you know, these these feelings that you have for William, do you technically have them for Christina? And does the feelings that William had for you, was that technically Christina? So a lot of people were on Facebook debating does Christina really love Ruby? Are they a lesbian couple? Like, how would we define, you know, should they continue on? Is it a beautiful thing or is it just some weird shit? Me, personally, I was on the weird shit line because it's like, okay, what? Like, 
Uh, yeah. But um, even after finding out that William was technically Christina, um, you know, for the average person, that would kind of be a deal breaker. Or, uh, But no, she continued to entertain her. I wouldn't say they was just like a full out couple. Um, but she would still be around her and they would talk. And so, again, it would give us a little something like sometimes when they would converse, you would feel like, okay, Christina cares about her a little bit. Maybe they are friends. I don't know if full-blown she's in love is what I would say, but they entertain each other, so it's hard to tell. But on the other hand, maybe she's just doing the old, you know, the old rope-a-dope, probably just using her or pumping her for information, you know, in exchange for whatever, this potion and whatever they got going on. So, um... That was a crazy episode. I was like, what? William, Christine? Because it was like she was catching on that they kept going in the basement. They were never in the room at the same time. And I'm not going to lie. I did not pick up on that. I did not think that um, William was just Christina, you know, in drag. And don't you sit there and say that you thought it. Oh, you know, you know, got those folks. Oh, I saw that coming. No, the, no, the F you did not. But anyway. So, um... So while Ruby's got her own thing going on, they've got their own thing going on. They're trying to find these pages. They're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. Um, it's it's so much. It's hard to condense into an hour. But um, in short, they're on this quest to find these pages and find this and the third. Um, they do complete their quest. They do get what they're searching for. Um, and, of course, these are things that Christina wants as well. So, it's like, ugh, it's just a lot. But, anyway, I'm trying to see what led to them going back to Tulsa. Oh, yes. Okay, so, Emmett Till was a character on the show, but we referred to him as Bobo. So, the episode where they were in the house, in the possessed house, him, you know, him and Dee and the other kids were playing with a Ouija board. And, um... You know, Bobo Emmett was like, am I going to enjoy my summer in the South? The Ouija board said no, which is kind of heartbreaking. But, you know, like I said, they so, so, and you know, just so impeccably intertwine actual historical events into the story. It's good to see him. Like, we get so used to him being a historical figure that sometimes we forget he was just a kid. So to see him playing with the Ouija board, playing with the other kids, you know, looking forward to his trip. And pretty much being told by the powers that be that it's not going to be a good thing for you was, it humanized Emmett Till. It did. I'm, I'm so glad they, you know, included him in the show because it humanized him. But anyway, so the day comes of his funeral and it's packed out. And like I said, we're so used to seeing pictures, the pictures they put, you know, on the cover of Jet, all that stuff that we forget that this was real. Like there were people there in person in the 19, you know, I was it, 50s, 60s and with probably no air so this is like on a hot day in the summer they could smell him outside like you know d was like what's that smell is that him you know it it, it made that event very real um that's when she kind of runs off and bumps into those cops they they also dabble in magic and they put her under the spell where she where she uh starts to see bopsy and topsy everywhere bopsy that's all right is it Bobsy and Topsy? Topsy and Bobsy. Okay. Uh, she starts to see them everywhere. And no one can see them but her. So that's what makes it so just deliciously 
horror field because it's like ah like I can see these things at first I didn't think they could touch her or maybe it was just a figment of her imagination until the end scene where they start scratching her in real life and you can like you see her in the store with the bat and she's trying to fight them and I thought she had the leg up but apparently not and um they start scratching her you know and and um Montrose that's Tick's dad he can see it so that's what led to um, them going back to Tulsa. Dee has been infected with the scratches from Bob's autopsy, and she's rotting. Like where where they scratched her at is is turning to decay. Like she's becoming one of them. She's starting to look like one of them, and she's rotting. She's slowly dying. So I mean, um, the only way to fix magic is with magic. We need the book of names. Um, where can we go to get the book? Back in time. So. Hippolyta, you know, in her episode, which was awesome in its own right, it wasn't horror filled, but it was awesome. It was like coming of age, black woman in the, you know, early 1900s, really discovering her voice and herself. And like, it was a bomb ass episode. You know, she went back and danced with Josephine Baker. She got to go be an African warrior, you know, just all types of cool shit. And she went and met a celestial goddess, just all types of shit. Anyway, so, um, but in the midst of all that, she figured out how to work the machine, the time machine. And, you know, she powered the time machine. Tick, Montrose, and Letty have to go back to their ancestors' home in, during the Tulsa riots and retrieve the book. Now, for, this, for Montrose, this is really... This is an episode that helps us to kind of sympathize with a clearly evil man because we know we know he beat Tick. Oh, did I fail to mention it turns out he was on the down low. So, um Montrose does come out of the closet. Um and I think it kind of like episodes like where he came out of the closet or where we where we discovered that he is is gay. Um, and also the Tulsa episode helped us to understand a little bit more of the psychological damage he suffered that caused him to be abusive with Tick. I'm not excusing it by any means, but, um, this is the like early 19th. We wasn't no therapy for black people. So it's just suffered through it. Um, but it kind of gave us a glimpse into why the way he was, why he was the way he was. So we go back to his childhood home. He's getting beat himself on his own front yard and then Tick's mother comes over, you know, of course they're not together yet, but Tick's mom comes over to defend him against his dad and you know, um he goes to see his I guess his first boyfriend um in the town square. Adult him wants to go save him. Like he's like, I'm not gonna affect history. I'm just gonna go save this young man who got shot in the head during the uh, riots. But, of course, you know, Tick tracks him down. He's like, no, you can't do that. But, it, you know, it all worked out well because Tick, they were supposed to be there. So, it worked out well. Um, Letty goes upstairs, talks to the great-great-grandma. The great-great-grandma has peeped at her shoes. And, is, you know, she's like, I'm, I don't know who you are, where you're from, or what you're doing up in here rambling around. So she pretty much unveils that, hey, I'm here. I'm from the future. I'm here to get the book. And the great-grandma's pretty much, you know, she's like, we die here today, don't we? And she's like, yes. But by now, 
Letty has a protection spell on her from who else but Christina. Like I said, she'll give us a little something to make her think she's halfway decent and then reel us back in. Like, if toxic boyfriend was a person, it would definitely be Christina ass because it's like one episode, we hate her, she's trash, and the next one, well, is she trash? I don't know. But, um, so, the protection spell... When the house caught fire and the riders came out, it protected Letty and her baby. But unfortunately, you know, everybody else burned up. And that was just, that was just fate, you know. Um, she got the book. They got the book. They bring it back to the present. Um, and they save Dee. Now, they weren't able to save Dee's arm that got scratched up, unfortunately. But, yeah. She's, you know, no longer being plagued by Popsy and Topsy. And, um, you know, so we're back in the current. Um, I didn't bring up Tick's little girlfriend from Korea. Um, <laughs> what was her name again? Let me see. Jaya, I think. Mm -hmm. Jaya. Jaya, I believe. But um, played by actress Jamie Chung. You know, when he was overseas and did a bid in the war, um, she was a nurse. And they met on some horrible terms. Like, the way they met is he was part of a regime that pretty much was investigating her nurses squad. And they were just trying to see if there was a spy because it was like somebody sending information. So pretty much they just started blowing these nurses' brains out point blank. This is how they met. And, um... Her character is very interesting. I, I mean, I watched her episode, but do I feel like she deserved an entire episode? Me personally, no. But we have to remember these these scripts are based off of books. So probably in the book, she gets her own chapter. And also, she's a very vital piece of everything at the end. So I understand why she got her own episode. But we, for me, we could have lived without it because I wanted to go on and see what had had, you know, the continuation of Ruby and them. But anyway, so um, she is plagued with a nine-tailed fox. I forgot what it was called. A kimu, I don't know. But um it was some she her mother summoned the spirit to help her because her husband was pretty much raping, you know, Jaya as a little girl. So um the help that they receive is the kimu or the I'm probably saying it's something wrong, but the nine-tailed fox pretty much I guess possessed do we like that term okay pretty much possessed her and um in order to become herself again she has to sleep with and takes take the souls of a hundred men so she would find you know bad men you know soldiers on on the bad side not very good men anyway creeps um that we could all live without you know at least she was kind of selective and take them back to her you know dojo or whatever <laughs> and um you know seduce them and then her tails would kind of come out like because at first i was like uh what is that but yeah they were tails so she's a fox but anyway uh, they look like long brown worms but they come out and they go into the person and for a moment she gets to see everything like the future the past you know everything up until the time they die which is now but um and then they explode so she has to do that a hundred times to become herself again but after a while she's just like i ain't feeling this huh? so anyway 
But that's that's where she comes into play. And then Tick and his regime were about to kill her, but her best friend at the time intervened and she was like, I'm the spy, I'm the spy. So they took her off and it was understood she was killed. Um, they meet each other again. You know, she's pretty much good on some revenge. She's like, I'm going to find them I'm going to kill them. And lo and behold, fate has brought them together. Tick gets injured some kind of way and he's back you know, in her care. Now, he doesn't recognize her, but of course, she recognizes him. And lo and behold, you know, they start to kind of fall for each other. They, you know, they just start discussing a book, a movie or something, and he sets up a very lovely date. You know, I'm about effort. I'm an effort girl. So the fact that his injured ass was able to set up a screen and all this jazz because she said she enjoyed the movies and pretty much just set up like a personal movie for the two of them was really cute. So it's like, how can you hate this guy? But on the other hand, he did blow my homegirl brains out. So, you know, she unveiled that to him that I, I know you, you killed my best friend. And he's like, how long have you known? Why didn't you say anything? Blah, blah, blah. But they still work it out and decide to keep going. So at this point, she is in love with Tick. Um... She tries her best to control the tails because um, they just kind of come on out. But, you know, because they had sex a few times and then finally the tails kind of eased down. She was like, no, no, no. She was trying to fight them off. Of course, Tick is like, whoa. <laughs> what the fuck? You know, all, and he's, she's like, go, run. So, yeah. I, you know, he wasn't very understanding of all that and the relationship was over. But she did get enough in him to see that he was going to die. Now, since she didn't kill him, I guess technically she saw his future. So, speed up to where we are now. And she flies over here to, you know, oh, I saw a vision, you're going to die. But she had no answers. So I'm like, she could have really wrote a letter, but I guess love, you know. And by now, Atticus and, you know, Letty, they got their thing going on. In fact, Letty is pregnant. Um... She, I mean, he don't know yet, but she knows. And, but yeah, Letty pregnant at this point. So then she shows up and she's like, hmm. and he's like, she's like, cause you love him, don't you? You know, like Letty acts like some real big badass, Billy badass, but she was a virgin. So Tick is like her first everything. First baby daddy, first, you know, all this jazz. So they really built a bond and now they're making a life. So... You know, hmm. But they have a lot of back and forth. Like, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> they romanticize the shit out that toxic relationship. But yeah, you know, one episode she packed his bags and was like, get out. And then when he proceeded to get out, she was like, well, now where are you going to go? <laughs> Did you not just pack his bags or not? But anyway, so we're coming to a close um, on season one. A lot of magic stuff and just. Ruby, like I said, she's still entertaining Christina to a certain degree. We're still not really sure, you know, if she's horrible or not because she keeps helping along the way. But she never has shied away from, look, my goal is to become immortal. And eventually, I'm going to need Tick's blood to do that. But Ruby is so, I don't know, I don't need the term brainwashed. But, you know, I don't think she could just see all the way past Christina's Cause we couldn't, you know, it was so well written and then Christina is such a blank slate, you know, she's not a very emotional character. I mean, we didn't really get to see her 
cry or, you know, get super mad. She's very nonchalant about it all. Her eyes are big. They stay booked. They did really good with the casting. You know, whoever that young lady is, she plays that role very well. The one kind of human moment I thought she had was when she hired those guys to kill her. Now, of course, as we're watching it, we don't know that. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, it just, they just start punching her and shoot her. And then I see when they pull out the fan, because her and Ruby had had a conversation the day Emmett died. I mean, the day of Emmett's funeral. She was like, a 14-year-old boy did this, then, and third. He died. Do you feel anything? You know, I guess she was just hoping that somewhere in there was some humanity. You know, if we're going to be together in this awkward situationship. I gotta know that you feel my pain as a black woman. And, you know, Christina, straight up, I don't care about this shit. And so, then when the guys unveil, unveil they're like, who would, who would want to die like that? It made it clear to us, oh, this isn't just some random attack of karma. She wanted to experience this. So, we're thinking as the audience, oh, she did this to appease Ruby in some kind of way. Oh, she did this to, you know showed Ruby that I do understand or to feel what Ruby feels and I think she just now going to the end which we're about to uh, close on the you know close on and discuss I think she's just doing it to be a bitch like <clears throat> but the thing about it is it was hard for me to watch and I don't even like Christina so it just it it like I said it humanized Emmett's experience like this is acting and but it, it looked very real and to think a 14 year old boy went through much worse than that little five minute segment that they showed us of her getting beat up and shot and you know when they tied the fan around her neck just just the thought that someone's baby went through that over something as minuscule as a wink that probably never even happened is just heartbreaking it's heartbreaking you know but we've made him into such an icon that we forgot this was just a boy. And to see her be killed in the way he was, it, it almost made me break down. Not for her, but just the thought that these were his last moments on earth. This is what it was like. Being beat up by two grown men, shot, you know, beat up beyond recognition by two grown men, shot some big-ass factory fan tied around you and then thrown in the river. Like, just... It's so inhumane. It's ridiculous. But anyway, so we thought for a moment she was trying to be likable or, you know. But no, I think she just wanted to see if her magic was working. I don't know. But anyway. So in short, let's get on to the end. Like I said, it's a lot to put in an hour. But if you haven't seen the show, just watch it. Because you, you're, you're, you're missing out on a treat. So in short, we've got the book of names. We fixed D. Christina needs... Atticus's blood to perform her spell and she wants the book of names. So you know they're making deals, they're this and the third and I know I've left out so much in so many episodes and all this stuff but um in short she ends up getting what she wants and it's like damn like we were were we rooting for Christina at all to not be a piece of shit? A little bit. A little bit because of Ruby, you know. And not only did Christina turn out to be exactly what her people are, just a magic hoarding piece of shit that didn't care about nothing but being immortal, you know, she she kills Ruby. She pretty much kills her 
and transforms with that same potion that she was giving her to be a white woman into her to get up in Liddy's space, like to get up in her personal space towards the end and get access to Tick. So I was kind of sad about that because we were Ruby, like I said, Ruby is a character we can relate to. She wants to be loved. She loves hard, even when people constantly hurt her, like like Letty, and apparently like Christina, and it and it was literally the death of her, you know. So um, that part was kind of sad, but really, the writer had bent, built up so much momentum between the two of them. We thought it may have been perhaps some kind of love, and just to see that it wasn't. But when I listened to the podcast, the writer um, the writers did say. Christina was pissed. Like, maybe she really did feel something for her because when they actually fought and she was like, well, it's your fault that Ruby is dead, that she really meant that. Like, she really was fighting Letty because she was upset that she had to kill Ruby. Very twisted, very backwards. But according to the writers, you know, it wasn't just some bullshit she was spitting out. She really did kind of care for her. So, just boo. But anyway, and she completes the spell. She slashes Ticks arms open and gets all his blood and becomes immortal. And we, I think everybody, you know, a lot of people did not care for the last episode. I liked it. I liked that they summoned the ancestors. You know, um, Hannah, who was like the main ancestor, um, finally she speaks. Because we've just been seeing her run through fire for the past, like, season. And finally she speaks, you know, um, I was wrong to be scared of this magic. We finna use this magic, and we finna handle up on Titus and these folks. They summoned him from the grave, kicked his ass, whoop. And then, you know, it was Tick, the old great-grandma from the Tulsa, from the house, um, and Tick's mother. So, you know, they summoned the ancestors. They did the spell. It worked um, for what they were trying to do. But unfortunately, we did still lose Tick. Now, at the end... It's Letty. She's steady trying to do the spell, but Christina's like, look, it's over with. It's done. He's dead. There's nothing you can do. I'm glad she didn't completely give up because Jaya, I think, that's the Nine-Tailed Fox. Her and the Nine-Tailed Fox and Tick ended up doing like a triangle where their powers went in between each other, you know, and the spell worked. And so what ended up happening was not only did they take Christina's magic away, they took away magic from all white people. <laughs> Isn't that just deliciously wonderful? Like, not only can you not use magic anymore, bitch, none of your white people can. Ah, loved it, loved it, loved it. But unfortunately, I think Tick knew. I think Tick knew that he was just going to be a sacrifice. Like, either way, he was either going to die at the hands of Christina or he was going to die to you know to protect his legacy he knew that and we know he knew that because he wrote a letter to Montrose he wrote a letter to his dad and um you know at the end when he tries to get him up he's like come on tick get up you know let's be real we all got love especially if you have kids you know we all got a little bit teary-eyed because it was like come on tick's gone like he's he's dead and um he writes him a letter. He's like, I know you might feel like you failed as a father with me. Take care of my son. Protect my son. This will be the second chance to be a father that you never had. So he wrote this when he was alive. So I'm pretty sure he just, you know, he kind of knew that it was going to come down to this. So we end our show with our heroes 
prevailing, which is great, but we lost our protagonist. The book, like me personally, I'm trying my best not to read the books and skip ahead. But for me as a writer, because he, he is our main character, like he is the main picture on the poster. So for him to just be killed off, mm, I don't buy it. He's gonna come back some kind of way in season two and whether it's just in flashbacks or as a ghost or something because love love journey love letty but can letty carry the entire show as a, as a new protagonist while tick is just somewhere dead no we already lost uncle george now if the writing is good enough which i believe it is yes she can carry the show but some kind of way we didn't conjure up 85 million people throughout this show and we can't get ticked back. No. He gonna come back some kind of way in season two. And I'm excited about it. I can't wait to watch it. Um, like I said, if you didn't, if you haven't tuned into the show, it's a real treat. Would I rewatch it to get more details? Mm, maybe with someone else. I learned my lesson. <laughs> like, I am not gonna lie. That episode with that house. Oh, my lord. And uh, the thing on Bopsy and Topsy, I mean, uh, I keep mixing the name up. I think that's it, Topsy and Bopsy. Ooh, Jesus. They they did that, okay? Um, real life scary, I'm telling you. That was the Jigaboo, Jigabobo episode. So all of that was the episode where they were at Emmett Till's funeral. Very good stuff. And you know who directed that? Misha Green. Remember I told you she only directed one episode and this was her first, this is her debut and I think without fail this is the most popular show because those those two characters have gone viral. So this is the most popular episode of the entire series and not only did she write it, bam. Um, I mean there are other writers too but she's like the main writer. She directed it so love love. We stand. We stand Misha. You did that. Like People have been kind of associating the show with Jordan Peele. He's he's just a producer. Like, for real. He's just throwing money at it. Which is fine. Thank you. Good. Um, but the brainchild is definitely Misha Green. So, and the one episode she did direct was that one. Which I think, thus far, is the scariest episode yet. The house was pretty scary. But that one now? Oh, goodness. But anywho, um, thank y'all for joining me. And um, I know I might have went a little bit over time. I try to keep it at four to five minutes. But, I mean, it's hard to condense such an excellent, just black excellence, in short. Like, we stand. You've got history. You've got horror. You've got drama. You have love. You have twisted love. You have fantasy. Like, you cannot beat that with a stick. Like I said, if the Emmys, if they're not knocking down Emmy doors, I don't know what. Because I have not seen anything else quite as intriguing on TV in quite a while. So um, thank you for joining me and God bless. Have a good day.